Coming live from Virginia Beach, USA is our guest this evening. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Ryan Lindner, consultant and coach, performance specialist, and content writer. He is a personal development specialist who has worked at a behavioral coach for clients and top organizations all over the world. And we'll be talking to him about success, identity, and personal change. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Oh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Ryan. Thank. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Ryan. And we'll begin from your book itself, The Half Noon Life, in which you challenge conventional thinking of success, identity, and personal change. But straight away from you, Ryan, who knows life better than you? You have seen it very close. But then your story, straight away from you. What is your story? What is your book all about? Yeah, so uh, great to be here. Um, I, I love talking about uh, um, you know, the topic of, of change and, and, and how that happens. So for many years, first of all, I've been a behavioral coach for many years, and that kind of led into other things. You know, I've created uh, big trainings for companies, uh, helping companies through change, really uh, training leaders, um, understanding, uh, you know, how, you know, companies helping them hire people, not roles, really shifting that experience. I've uh, done quite a, a lot of sessions as well, helping people really through any big, scary life change, um, changing old habits, things like that. Never planned on being a coach. Never, never something that I thought was a career option. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very introverted. Um, my clients would probably not guess that, but, um, very introverted, struggled a lot when I was younger with really bad anxiety. So, uh, I was always, um, seeking help for myself um, uh, always seeking a way to overcome that. Um, and so I would devour any personal development I could get my hands on. And, you know, as I got older, I became drawn to wellness and, and re again, really understanding, you know, physical wellness, mental wellness, what does that mean? And began working with organizations because I found that, you know, if, if you have an employee who's really well, um, they're going to perform better and it's going to impact the company. And at the time, companies didn't seem to quite fully understand that. So I would do things like track turnover rates, and then I would develop content and training programs and coaching programs and things like that to help shift the, the performance. So kind of got into wellness um, and I found what I would call my dream job at the time. So I, I got offered a really big coaching contract to work one-on-one -on -one with individuals and really help them through, you know, again, any scary life change, getting them out of their comfort zone, things like that. And I was there for about a month and I had a, I just dropped dead one day. I had a cardiac or uh, two cardiac arrests actually. So random, totally random, no family history. You know, as I mentioned, I'm into wellness, you know, ate well, good sleep, so forth. And I'm just walking along one day and I just, boom, 
drop dead. Um, in, in fact, you know, I was losing consciousness and uh, I, I turned to the person next to me and I just said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going down now, you know, and I'm, I'm so there was, there was complete surprise, especially when, um, you know, at the time I was, you know, very young and no fa again, no family history, no, you know, great exercise, ate well, you know, always wellness as I, it was all, has always really been very important to me. So, um, the next day I had another cardiac arrest. So I had two, uh, now, you know, I do have a pacemaker now and I do, you know, uh, uh, have that safety net there, but there's still, it, it's, um, it's well, well over 10 years later and there's still no idea of the cause. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a big mystery. I've seen specialists around the world. I was on the waiting list for about a year to see this dizziness doctor. Um, and there's no, um, the, the closest I can determine, it's not anything with the heart, actually. It's more of the brain, uh, maybe electrical problems, you know, the way the brain communicates um, to, to the rest of the body. But since then, it, it has, I mean, it dramatically changed my sessions. You know, I remember listening to uh, a lady and she was going on about her problems and I was, I had just had my cardiac arrest and it totally changed the way I did my sessions. And it was such a weird time because I was there for, like I said, a month. So I did not have, I didn't get paid for my time off. I didn't have any insurance or benefits or anything like that. So I was back at work five days later working and I'm, I'm connected to all these wires, right? And, uh, you know, heart monitor and blood pressure and all that. And uh, so I'm connected to all these things and I had to continue sessions. Um, so and, and most of them were virtual sessions. So I would, I would meet with someone, um, you know, over the phone or online like this all over the world, really. Um, and so they couldn't necessarily see all the, all the wires and all the, you know, stuff. But what's interesting is, you know, so I help a lot with people um, with boundaries, creating boundaries in their lives. And what's really interesting is that I had to have boundaries. I have to have boundaries today. If I don't have boundaries, I get sick. So it's a, it's a need. In other words, right now I have a chronic condition where I'm dizzy basically 24 seven. And if I don't have boundaries where I, you know, get enough sleep, eat well, I, I can't push it too hard because again, it, it affects, if I do push it hard, I will um, have blood pressure problems. I'll feel lightheaded. Um, I'll feel like I'm going to fall over <laughs> again. Uh, and it's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Um, I do have some PTSD as a result. Uh, but you know, I've been wheeled out of places on, on stretchers. I've, uh, I was in the airport once and um, 
almost wanted to, I was by myself and it was absolutely terrifying. Um, felt like I needed to just like crawl under a seat and just, you know, I was hanging on to consciousness by a thread. But, um, when I meet coaches around the world, a lot of coaches have been trained as coaches, uh, but they've never, they rely on their training. And in my case, not only have I been trained, but I have to practice it. I have to do it myself. And, you know, if I don't, if I don't have boundaries in my life, I get sick. You know, when, when you ask someone what's important in their life, you know, you know, my, my book is called, you know, half known life, what matters most when you're running at a time. So pe- people will tell you what matters most every time. Oh, family, family matters and this and that, but they don't reflect it in their daily life. They don't because they're so busy. They almost don't have time for it. Right. Like they don't, they're not there and they're not very good at boundaries. They're not very good at determining what really matters. So really my book is about, you know, people hear the title half known life and they think, oh, it's, you know, kind of a, you only live once and that kind of stuff. But it's really about, we can't see ourselves. That's what it's about. Um, You know, I've had psychologists as clients. I've had you know, CEOs. And it doesn't matter how smart you are. It really doesn't. It's very difficult to see our own selves sometimes, I think. And so that's what I do. And that's what I write about is how can we explore our own lives in a different way that we can't see? How do we have those boundaries? How do we reflect what's important and not just say it. And that is really what I do in a, in a nutshell. Very, very inspiring, uh, Ryan. I can tell you that. And I'm at least I feel very inspired, but the way you have picked up all the different pieces in your life and put it together to bring value to not only to yourself, but so many people outside who are around you in your personal life, in your work life. Now, there are so many people, hundreds and hundreds of people across the world, young people. They don't know what's happening in their mind, what's happening with their bodies. And they don't have any support base. And whatever the reason but they are also not able to make the changes that they have been wanting to or they want to. What would you tell them? How did you pick your life when, as you said, you did not have insurance? There was not supposed to be any pay because they would not give you that live without pay. So how did you pick up your, uh, you know, from where you had, actually fallen down and how did you put it all together how did you look at your strengths how did you look at your weaknesses and setting the right boundaries what is important what is less important what is most important what is unimportant 
what looks very important but at all it's not important how did you work that out so that people can understand from you there are so many cases in india where people are facing problems uh, in their very young lives they're having this health issues especially you know cardiac arrest and all that stuff you don't know the reason many people again here also uh, know it or they don't know it maybe because of life cycle or whatever but your story is a message in itself and i would like to understand from you for the audience for huge number of people how to pick your life life from where it almost looks looks like as if it's moved out of your hands yeah it it, it was it it was so shocking i i didn't i didn't know how to move on initially because i had to change so many things in my life um i had to reevaluate because i never knew from one day to the next is is today the day there's something this sounds dark but there there's something about the constant real fear of death it makes you look at time so differently because we take time most for granted when we're feeling great right like um we don't really appreciate it until you know we encounter something like that and most people don't really change until they encounter a trauma i'm not saying they need a trauma to change but what happens when they get into the car accident they lose a loved one they get an illness something like that then they stop for a minute and say whoa like i should have enjoyed that i should have uh, made more time i should have done this or this or this now it doesn't you don't need a trauma um but you you know usually you do need a catalyst you need something that um you know in my case i have the daily reminder just the fact that i'm dizzy that i have to always have boundaries so i almost have like a i guess that's maybe one good thing is you know i have kind of the the constant daily reminder that i that i have to do that and the way to answer your question as well is my day to day i'll i'll make it as simple as possible um every thing in my life everything in your life has a cost and and when you are saying when when you give something your time what you are saying is yes that is worth the cost in time in my energy um that's really all time management is really it's just the management of your own energy and what's worth it and what isn't and things like that and it's all just a series of choices so with everything i'm doing i say is this really worth the the cost and that simple question really helps and i can give you an example too that might make it a little bit more for for those listening it might make it a little bit more real um but i think having that constant reminder of my time it makes it easier to make that choice um so one thing i also do is you know in any situation as i'm deciding what's worth my energy or not i say what do i actually know about this situation um 
and and I use that to that one question, that one question, what do I actually know here to determine if it's worth my energy or not? Because we assume things a lot and we we waste our time, our mental energy a lot. So let's let's say at least where I am, this is very common is let's say someone cuts you off in traffic. You're angry. You're angry. Um, around here, they're, they're going to maybe yell at you or um, curse at you or, you know, if someone cuts you off in traffic, it, it'll probably, you'll, you'll, what do you do? Maybe for the next 15 minutes, you'll say, oh man, that idiot, that guy cut me off. I'm angry. He, he can't drive, you know, and, and you might say some more colorful things. Well, what do you actually know about the situation? The answer is nothing. Now, let's think about that situation a different way. Because you've just spent 15 minutes in negativity thinking about this person cutting you off in traffic. Now, what if, what if this person had his wife in the, in the seat next to him? She was given birth in the car. She was in labor. And he's rushing to the hospital. Would that change your opinion about this person? Well, for most people, I think it probably would. Oh, I understand. He was rushing to the hospital. I got you. So we, we assume, right? We, we don't know what happened. Um, now, let's also suppose maybe the guy is, maybe he just made a mistake. Well, do you make mistakes? Do you ever feel bad about the mistakes? Okay. Let this person make a mistake. Let, you know, next time you make a mistake, you know, maybe you feel, you know, bad about it. We're human, right? Um, or let's assume this guy is a jerk and was mean and did it on purpose. Let's assume he cut you off in traffic on purpose. What, what do you want? You, you want to give him a piece of your mind? You want to teach him a lesson, right? You want to teach him a lesson, yell at him. He's not going to learn a lesson. He's not going to be sorry. You know, a lot of us have been wronged in our lives and we carry the pain around for many, many, many years. What does it do for you today? You know, a lot of us are waiting on sorries that are still in the mail, right? For, from when we've been wronged. What does that do for you today? It does nothing for you today. And you can't convince anyone of anything. You can't teach anyone a lesson unless they choose it on their own. Unless they choose that on their own. So you being in negativity and carrying it around, you know, that person, they forgot about it a long time ago. So who are you punishing here? Well, you're punishing yourself. So in the case of the traffic here, you know, you being angry and, and venting or whatever, what does it do for the situation? Nothing, nothing. So the minute it happened, you know, you've wasted so much of your time on energy. What do you know about the situation? Nothing. Is it worth the cost of time and energy? No, it's not. There you go. And, and I hope that, you know, resonates because most things in your life are simply not worth your, your time and energy. So I try to make better choices. Um, I've cut toxic relationships from my life. Um, I'm very careful with my time. I try not to, you know, uh, you know, some people stay on their phones all day long and they're on social media and stuff. I try to 
to, to be very careful with with those types of choices. Right, right. You have you have put it very, very well. And I'm sure a lot of people in different situations would be able to relate to it and make better choices by an advice from someone who has seen it or who is seeing it all from very, very close. Now, uh, you said that growing up, you had a bit of an anxiety. You were introvert. Uh, did this hamper your thought process in any manner? Did it lead to more stress? Uh, why I'm asking is that if you reflect on your life, perhaps you think, okay, I should have done this thing, maybe that thing. A lot of people are at the same stage in their lives today, perhaps a bit more anxious about things than others, perhaps a bit more introvert than perhaps you were, and are going on a path that if there is some advice from somebody who has seen it, that would be helpful. If there is any way they can, they can just understand that it's okay. Somebody is shouting on the street, also, means I tell you from my example, many people think that I speak a lot. In my personal life, uh, you can say outside life, people know me that way. But I'm also very, very introverted. And that time I would almost sometimes if I reflect on myself, I would say, man, looks like I'm almost a recluse. If I had the all the all the uh, benefits in my life, money and everything, perhaps I would turn into a recluse. So everybody is different and nobody comes to know about, but they have to deal with that part of them. So for introvert, somebody who is introvert or somebody uh, who is a bit excited about, you know, things good or bad, what would you tell them seeing your life back then and the path you travel? I would say stop thinking about it as there's something to be fixed. You know, I, I think a lot of people who are introverted that I've met and myself included, I, I just grew up thinking, you know, we've all heard like um, all the advice when people, people get scared of public speaking a lot, right? They have a lot of anxiety and I'm in front of a big group and I get scared. Um, and I think that's a great example. Uh, and you know, we've all heard advice on how to, to do that. And all the advice is centered around how to overcome it, how to fix it, how to get away from it. Stop thinking about as if there's something wrong with you or there's something to be fixed. And, you know, for me and professionally, same, I, I talk all day, but um, I, I, most of the time, I am more introverted than any of my clients, which is funny. And people would not guess that. An introvert maybe recharges their batteries differently, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I prefer the quiet. I, I really do. Um, I find peace there. Um, in my personal life, I love just being quiet, and I'd probably be recluse too. Right? <laughs> but, um, I, I would say um, with the anxiety, now I'm certainly still introverted, but the, the anxiety I've progressed a ton over the years and really what made a difference for me was, um, again, once I decided that I was just going to 
once you love yourself and you you really do and you own it and in other words if i have sweaty palms i mean it was so bad for a long time i mean i had such bad anxiety years ago that i would be sweating so bad I, it would look like i took a shower with my clothes on i mean i would like sweat through my shirt it was terrible and um what helped was once i said you know what however i show up i don't care if i'm sweating i don't care if i'm anxious anymore i just don't care most of us are in very low stakes situations um maybe you're anxious about the meeting at work maybe you're anxious about a little party you have that you haven't seen relatives in a while or you know i don't know but most situations are very low stakes um if you're a human if you make a mistake it's not gonna you're not gonna crumble um yeah i make mistakes every day you know it's but if you can just relax in those, even if you're given a speech, right. you know, sometimes if you make a mistake, you just sort of laugh at it and you're just sort of a human. It almost makes it better. It almost makes the speech better. You know, who, who wants to talk, listen to a robot? No one. So if you are just a person and you are genuine, you actually connect with people better. And however I show up, if I'm sweaty, if I'm anxious, whatever, I just decided that I'm okay with that. And I am totally, and I really do believe this, however I show up, I'm, I'm good with. I'm totally okay with because that is what happened. And I think once you do that, though, once you are in a place where you are accepting of it and you really do feel that, then a lot of the anxiety goes away anyway. So you are almost, most of us drive our own problem. Like we're anxious. We feel bad about the anxiety if there's there's something to fix and then the anxiety's worse. But once I really just said, you know what? If I'm anxious, let's bring it on. I'll just be anxious then. And I'm not going to apologize to anyone for it. I'm not going to speak in front of this group. And I started speaking in front of really big groups, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. And um, I am not going to apologize anymore. And if I am, if I show up, you know, I'm sweating or whatever, then you know what? I'm okay with that. And once I really started to get to that place, the anxiety, a lot of it just went away. And I think it comes back to, you know, can you just love yourself? Can you treat yourself well and not beat yourself up for not being this perfect, you know, person? And once I even started talking about the anxiety like I'm doing now and I was just vulnerable and once I was open, then I started just connecting with people more and it was a very relaxed kind of conversation, you know, kind of like just what we're having now. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I said. You see, we are not looking at a great conversation. We just want to have a good conversation like two normal people. It just does not matter whether you are you are so thousands of kilometers away. But if you connect, that difference is gone. That difficulty of, you know, that distance is gone. And if you can't connect, then even to the next person in your cubicle, you are as stranger as anything. And they don't connect. It happens. That's the irony irony of our 
lives, Ryan. That's that's the irony. And I'm very blessed to have this medium where I get to learn so much, connect with people, and, and actually be a part of their life, even if it's for half an hour or something. But one thing I know is that we are listening to one another fully. Because if you don't listen to you, me, you won't be able to answer. And if I don't listen to you, I won't be able to ask. And that's the good part. And that's the best part of this whole conversation. It's a blessing that you get to talk to human beings in a world which is increasingly becoming full of robots. If, you know, we are looking at humans. We are trying to bring that, What? Uh, how do you pronounce that, sentient or sentient uh, uh, yeah, robots. We want to bring them feelings. And human beings, we are not talking about those feelings. Here we are talking about, you know, getting more robots into your life. I just fail to understand this irony, but that's the way the world is go going. Thinking of anxiety, Ryan, uh, what is it that makes people anxious? It's not that I don't get anxious about things, but maybe the background that I come from, from a village and growing up all those years, those same the issues that I see, those issues make me always see the good things. It's like, you know, you see always that there is so much around because I've seen I've seen a time when there was nothing around. But what is it that makes young people so anxious? Is it career? Is it future? Uh, what is it and how they can? Because you deal with a lot of people in terms of as a consultant, as a coach, as a performance specialist, even in work uh, uh, setting where people are. Uh, moving towards a particular goal. How do you see that? How do you tell them that performance is one thing, but you know your your life is also something much more much more important than all all the things that you are seeing around. Yeah, I, I think um, I think part of anxiety certainly there's a, uh, a component of personality there. You know, with the way we're wired. Now that's not to say we can't change it, but. I think that's part of it, but I think it's driven by um, cultural components. So your environment around you, how we're raised, um, and often we're raised in these really, really busy environments where it's, you know, working a ton and all these things around us. So I think it's uh, part personality wiring, part um, environment. Um and again, I think sometimes it takes that catalyst or, you know, to kind of to break out of that cycle. So for me, I think part of it was personality. Uh, I, I do think I was wired that way. You know, even from when I was real young, I can see elements in there. Um, and then I think as I got older, sort of the environment, it, it, it just added to it. So for me to break out of that, it took me consistently because you know a lot of us have formed our our habits over years so then same thing with good habits i have to develop those over years too so i i started really thinking about what are my daily habits it's not about perfection it's just every day you make better choices that lead to it and you keep coming back you keep showing up and it's simple but it, I, that's not the same as easy it, but it does take continuous practice to really 
uh, get out of that, that anxiety. But I think, you know, again, feeling like there's nothing to be fixed helps. And a lot of it, a lot of the wiring is our self dialogue. And we treat ourselves worse than like, um, if you mess up, I know a lot of people who are just awful with themselves, right? How they treat themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I see that quite often. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And they would never treat a loved one like that or a friend or anything. So again, it's years of doing this. And I, I really did have to change my self-dialogue with, okay, you know what? I'm tired of being hard on myself. I'm just really tired. And I really thought back in my life and I thought, you know what? Yeah, I've made some mistakes, but my intentions are, are good and I try really hard and maybe I can kind of maybe like that person maybe. And if I can do that, uh, you know, why not, you know, uh, you know, give yourself a break, you know, you're you know, a good person. Let's, and, and really focusing on how I speak to myself. That was a big piece of the anxiety there. Right. Right. Friend. There's so much to learn from you, understand from you, as I said, your life itself is there is so much of message down there. How you do uh, pick up things? How do you deal with anxiety? How do you deal with situations that are there? And in spite of all the issues around, you still carry on with your life in the best manner possible. So how do people who want to connect with you to take your advice, to engage with you professionally, how can they do that? Uh, the best way, I think, is my website, um, rslindner.com, R-S-L-I-N-D-N-E-R.com. Um, I have all my social media linked in there as well. You can also check me out on LinkedIn. That's a good way. Just search for me, Ryan Lindner, on LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, uh, if, if they want to listen to it or read it, my book is on uh, Amazon, too. Just Half Known Life, Ryan Lindner. You can search for that, and it's on Amazon. Right, Ryan. My last question to you is, uh, Ryan, is that at the stage that you are in, where do you see, where do you want to go now? And why do you want to go there? I think I'll answer it this way. Um, you know, over my career, you know, over time, I got higher and higher with the levels and I began building teams and things like that. That's actually not really important to me anymore. Um, I don't care about climbing any ladder. I, I, I really don't. Um, nothing is more important in your life than your daily experience, your, your daily life. I know a lot of people who are stressed to the max, but they're a CEO or whatever. But at the end of life, none of that is going to matter. You know, when I was laying in the hospital thinking I was going to die anytime, didn't think of my career one bit, forgot even why I had a career. All I cared about, all I cared about was the small little things. Um, like I, I love riding a, a bicycle. I love riding it to this little pond nearby. Um, it's the things that we don't have time for really. And I tell you what, living there, thinking it was my last moments, I would have given anything to do that just, just, just once more. And so that is my goal, actually. My life goal is just to 
um, your purpose on life is to really just explore who you are in, in your life. That's, that's it. That's it. And so for me, I just, um, my goal isn't climbing any sort of ladder or career or any of that, which, you know, a lot of people do say that is well, that's what success is, right? Not for me. For me, it's the daily experience, hanging out with the family, enjoying a cup of coffee. Um, I have some animals at home here and I just love, you know, bothering them. And uh, that, that is what's important. On this note, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass. Thank you so much, Ryan, for joining us on this. Thank you so much for having me.